Come with us now, if you dare, down a rickety staircase into a dank, dark basement. What awaits the Saturday Night Freak Show? <laughs> Hello and welcome back, listeners, to the Saturday Night Freak Show. Every Saturday, it happens right here. We watch a movie. We talk about it. You can catch all of our past episodes on... Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Podbay FM, and TuneIn Radio. And find all of our past archived episodes at our website, SaturdayNightFreakShow.blogspot.com. Get a hold of us, Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. I'm Colin. I'm your host. I'm surrounded by a bunch of internet radio superstars, including Brent, Sean, Travis. And tonight we watched Travis's movie pick, and it was The Last Unicorn. It was The Last Unicorn by Rankin and Bass Productions. And we're thinking this is the first and only Rankin and Bass theatrical. I'm pretty sure this is. Rankin and Bass is, of course, popular for all their old uh, holiday specials that were claymation. Indeed. And, of course, they did uh, The Hobbit. They did Return of the King. They did Flight of Dragons. They did The Last Unicorn. And they also did the Thundercats TV series. That's pretty much as far as I know their main. I, I always want to think Silverhawks, but I don't think they did so, Silverhawks. Is that Filmation? I'm not positive. But this is but the only one that actually went to theaters. I'm pretty sure this is their only theatrical release. I'm not sure if Flight of Dragons did, but I don't think it did. I want to say Flight of Dragons was a, a well, TV special. Hmm. So did they just do the third Hobbit book and not the first two? No, they did The Hobbit. They didn't well, do Lord the of the Hobbit, Rings. Right, the Lord, Lord of the Rings, Rings that was Bakshi. Yeah, Ralph Bakshi. That was Ralph Bakshi. the cat guy. So everything and is tricky. For some reason, they went back to. Well, he never finished it because his Lord of the Rings ends like after, I want to say, the assault on um, uh, the castle place in the Helm's Deep. Mm. Like that's where his ends, somewhere there. So Rankin and Bass said, well, if you're not going to finish, because that was in the 70s. And so they, in 83, finished it off on TV. And what Rankin and Bass is also more well known for is just the idea that. A majority of cartoons always had cartoon voice actors, where Rankin and Bass, even starting with the old holiday specials, were the first people to be like, well, let's put popular movie actors, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's, you know, the norm nowadays, right? The norm yeah, yeah. is to cast, yeah, yeah. you know, n- you know, now voice actors are complaining that, like, hey, now only, like, Uma Thurman gets, pa- you know, cast right, in yeah, cartoons, yeah. Yeah. not the voice actors that have, been, like, trained their whole lives to do, like, you know, a variety of voices. But, yeah, Rankin and Bass, they were some of the first to, if not the first people, well, because, I mean, who did, who was even the mailman in the old... Uh, holiday specials for lives yeah you yeah. know yeah, mm-hmm. you yeah know, they were the first to really start putting singer, classic uh, or Boris you know, Karloff real and, actors uh, you would have I guess call Rudolph them. yeah yeah so so yeah this uh, I forgot to look what year this was yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you what year it was because <laughs> it seems like it's from the early 80s when like everybody was cranking out like you know Disney uh, did the Black Cauldron uh, there was a lot of fantasy uh, stuff. 82. 82, okay. So that would have been before the Black Cauldron, and that was like 83, 84. But, I mean, you had, like, Legend. You had uh, Dark Crystal. You know, there was a lot of family-oriented 
fantasy. Well, I mean, that was the fantasy time, right? Mm-hmm. That was the, the post-Star Wars. Hobbit being taught in fucking every junior high school in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the fantasy time. We're talking Frank Frazetta paintings. We're talking... Yeah. I mean, that, in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, that was fantasy, right? That was... Yeah. Conan was, the Barbarian came back. Uh, you mentioned the paintings. Are we talking about, like, those trippy paintings that you used to see? The- Frank Frazetta, the guys that, like, you know, the dude... Well, remember Death Dealer? It's the guy on the horse. He's, it's like uh, a, he's on the horse. He's got, like, you can't see his face. His eyes are glowing red. He's got the horns on the helmet. He's got the big, like, butcher's axe, you know? Okay. Just that's yeah. what fantasy and, like, paintings yeah, really became. Like, Frank Frazetta and, like, Boris Vallejo, I want to say. Yeah, Boris like Vallejo. Vallejo. Yep. Doing all, like, you know, the naked girl and the, you know, of muscle-bound dude with the sword. And, right. Yeah, right. that's... yeah. But, uh, I mean, that's the the reason I chose this movie is because, uh, yeah, this is, to me, just one of the best fantasy movies of that era. I mean, f- there was tons of them. Most of them low budget because they're all, you know, fantasy. You know, yeah. what are you going to do, right? But uh, well, even Bakshi got back in. We needed fire and ice, yep. I would say, like in 83. Yeah, which based Frazetta. Yeah. Based yeah. off of Frazetta paintings. Yeah. Frank Frazetta. Well, this, I mean, like you mentioned The Hobbit, and it seems like this shares, see, I know it's based on a book also, right? The author's name was, uh, was it Deal? Uh, Peter Key. S. Beagle. Yeah. Peter Beagle? Beagle. Okay, yeah, so he Peter. wrote the book and the script for this movie. And it has like a kind of, um, I don't know what I want to say here, like, uh, like a naturalistic... Um, it, it feels like kind of like the holdover from like the hippie times with, you know, kind of like a getting back to nature and everything, you know, right. Yeah. A, a focus on nature and the joy of, you know, natural living. Yeah. That kind of stuff, even though it has magic, but that's attributed to like, if you take away all of, you know, society's technology on top of it, like underneath, it's like, you can look at this, like, you know, magical place that is, you know, the woods. Yeah, it's just a natural, like, poetry to the language yeah. they use. Mm-hmm. People that were more in tune with either just poetry, you know, poetry pretty much died in the 80s, right? I mean, when, you know, poetry, you know, when the hell, it yeah. went out. It went out in the <laughs> yeah. 80s, you know. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would say this movie is, a, you know, a, you know, like it, it's definitely classified a children's movie, but I think the language in it to me, it seems more like it would be, I don't know, it's for more intelligent. If it is for kids, it's for intelligent kids. Just because the language alone in this movie, you got to be able to kind of work out the poetry of the language, you know, just the metaphors they make, the just the way they talk in this. Yeah, it's clearly written by an adult. For See, that's what it feels like. It feels like he wrote a a fantasy story for, you know, all ages, right? Yeah. And then they made a movie out of it, and it's a cartoon, so then you think it's a kid's movie, but it's not necessarily, like, uh, no, which, I know you're a big fan of the Transformers movie, but, like, that's hard for an wait, adult wait, to wait, watch. Wait, no, no, I gotta, I have to <laughs> put in a little, the original Transformers yeah. okay, movie yeah, yeah, with yeah. Orson Welles yeah, and the animated Hot Rod, and not, not yeah. Michael Bay's Transformers <laughs> right. the movie. Or, like, or G.I. Joe, <laughs> the movie, or, uh, what was the other one, uh, GoBots, the movie? No, I mean, those seem. But well, so, uh, the, for comparison's sake, it's like they seem like they are targeted specifically to you know the kids who are buying the toys, right. where and they function on that like 
that level, you know, that you're five. If you're five, you can understand what's going on. There's a lot of shit, you know, things transform. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was a robot. Now it's a fucking car. Yeah. We, you know, all right. Where this has Lasers. actual like concepts and stuff going behind it. Yeah, deep concepts. This yeah. Movie, I mean, this whole movie is about like immortality and like. You know, what it is to be immortal, what it's like. To, I love this movie because uh, just talking about, like, oh, how it's a kid's movie. Or, I mean, I love how this movie, like, the unicorn in this movie, since, I mean, just imagine being immortal uh, where things live and die around you constantly. You could care less, right? You're immortal. Time goes on. Nothing changes for you. And in this movie, it specifically states out that a uh, uh, forest that a unicorn is in. Uh, kind of like s- maintains that sort of magic where the snow never falls, the leaves don't fall. Uh, it, one of the scenes, or whenever it goes back to like her like home scene, there's always dodo birds mm-hmm. uh, in the uh, background. If you had noticed that, so you like you know magic. I've always loved the idea in Rankin and Bass. They use this in uh, Fly of the Dragons in this movie. The idea that. With with the age of reason, the land of magic starts to kind of shrink, you know, and it gets like held to this one small realm. Like this is the unicorn's forest. If there's one unicorn in this forest, this is a magic place. It won't be that way. If it leaves, it won't be that way. Actually, you know, doesn't it seem like? Because I'm thinking now of like even a little bit of Lord of the Rings, where the elves are leaving, and uh, Legend, which is another movie about unicorns, where that's like. That also seems like that's the end of an era. Like, magic is good. Yeah, the magic world is... Well, because they all seem to go that kind of way, I right? think that's a... I mean, that's... It's like, I, remember this, you know, that there was, like, imagination and, you know, the magic associated with that before, like, you know... Well, science. Because, like, I mean, the only way to... Something I think where we don't, like... You know, one of my favorite quotes before. by... Uh, it's I want to say it's by uh, Roald Dahl. Is mm-hmm. that how you say the first name? Roald, Roald Dahl? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, the saying... Uh, I'm kind of, like, the paraphrasing here. But uh, the saying is, how will you know a miracle if you don't believe in it? You know, the idea that the imagination is kind of stronger than the reality. And once you stop seeing it, you're cutting off those possibilities. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, once you start, especially if, when you go from being a child to being yeah, an once adult. once you grow up. Yeah, you yeah. start to lose the, you know, the, the, the thought that that things could happen beyond your your imagination or whatever. And there's no way for for shit to actually exist without you believing in it. It is interesting that they, they say uh, that man can't see the horn of the unicorn. Are they speaking, like, specifically like men or man as uh, just mankind because we don't believe in magic anymore you know the same i mean i don't necessarily want to equate it to religion but just the idea that once you stop seeing uh just the ideas of of what things could be you just really start to see these these like boring shapes you know these boring like you know because your own imagination is limiting you to the possibility just the same way and i've always uh, the reason i've always liked this message in children's movies is just the idea that every decision you make every day is part of your imagination 
If you think I'm going to go upstairs and get a drink, that's your imagination. Then you enact that into a reality, right? Right. Well, it goes that same way for your whole entire life. If you want to be a movie maker or an artist or a dancer, you have to imagine yourself as this first, and then you will make that a reality. But the imagination is the very first thing that happens. Mm -hmm. So that is the magic of imagination and all this shit. Yeah, well, that's why it's so important that the wizard is a young wizard. I think because yeah, <laughs> because he can he can actually see, he can see that this is a unicorn and not just a, a white mare or whatever. Yeah, it, it, he also because says he's, he's the uh, last of the red hot swamis. Which the red hot swamis? <laughs> I don't know if someone could Google this real quickly, but I've, I, I, I'm pretty sure the red hot swamis was kind of a real like magi group back well, in the fucking like hoo-ha Indian, days. Uh, I mean, he's Mystics. doing he's doing exactly what you're talking about, you know. I mean, he's imagining uh, well, he's seeing the unicorn because he's he wants to be he wants to be a wizard. He want he exactly. He's but he's or, an innocent in some he's kind got, of ways. Yeah, it always he, seems like yeah. it's the innocent is somehow able to see this stuff. I mean, even thing like Polar Express, you well, know, but like innocent, they're able to hear right. the, yeah. the chime ringing and but stuff I like that. But I think innocent can be any age. It well, is no, really well, that, yeah. that willingness well, to believe in the possibility. Molly, I think, is she says she's old. You know, she's an older character. That, and she's able to see the horn. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to get to that. But so, I mean, I like uh, so so. Okay, so just in case, uh, whatever, just to put a frame of reference. So the unicorn from a butterfly hears that, or from the hunters, she hears that she's the last of the unicorns. And the butterfly comes along and tells her the tale of the Red Bull that I've always loved this story. It's such a... Not the tasty caffeinated beverage. (laughs) Yeah, if there's any, if there's any, like, just like... (laughs) If there's any fantasy image that no one's ever like created before, I sort of got the idea of a red bull of fire chasing down a unicorn. I don't know. That's a powerful image to me. There's something about that. It's like holy fuck. That's kind well, it's, of it's horned. Yeah. It's like a demonic kind of creature yeah. almost. You know, it's red. It has you know, you know these it's mad evil eyes and giant yeah. horns. It's on fire. You know. Yeah. yeah just yeah. The, I mean, just look. I mean, just a horse to a bull. Just mm-hmm. kind of the aggression you. You feel from uh, the bull. I mean, I don't know. There's just something about that image. So, yeah, the red bull, she learns from a butterfly that the red bull chased all the unicorns uh, into the sea. And uh, I like this idea that the uh, that butterflies do nothing but, like, know poetry and songs from their travels, you know, since they're so uh, mm-hmm. kind of sporadic in their flight, you know, going everywhere. You know what else I noticed about this point, or not at this point in the movie, but as it went on, was that this movie has a lack of what I usually, what takes me out of these fucking things, which is the overabundance of talking uh, insects, uh, animals, and plants or whatever the hell you've got right. the magical creatures there's basically the unicorn who is a magical creature she talks in english and can understand english and then there's the butterfly and that's pretty much that's it. pretty much yeah. it they really don't the rest like... of the characters are actually human beings or you know whatever happened with the uh like the vulture the harpy, harpy? the harpy yeah three-titted that harpy. is something three-titted yeah. harpy I swear, like, I mean, that's what, like, one of my favorite parts of this whole movie is, uh, the unicorn gets captured by Madame Fortuna, a witch that, uh, goes around and she actually just gets, uh, uh, just any, any animal and puts spells on them to make, uh, travelers or would be, uh, 
carnival she has, Yeah, she's got like a little wooden caravan traveling carnival. Yeah, what is it? Her midnight... Min- Mama Fortuna's midnight <laughs> carnival. Menagerie or something. I, I creatures to... Or whatever. <laughs> creatures <laughs> of the night yeah, bring to come, light. Come to light. Come to light. <laughs> creatures of the night. So yeah, she puts spells on these things to make it seem uh, like they're like manticores and so yeah that she captured a real harpy and then she captured the real unicorn and i love the idea i mean just once again when it comes to like the dialogue of this movie do when when she says you know your death waits in that that cage you know i mean yeah. uh-huh. and, and, and just the idea that that mama fortuna she's like oh i know but you know if that thing lives forever and it remembers that i caught her well, there's my immortality. You know, you things have your immortality. Us humans, all we could do is be remembered. So if you're remembered by an immortal, that is the closest a human being will ever get to actually being mm-hmm. immortal themselves. It's like that fucking thought alone is a really powerful thought. Yeah, I mean, that's why, that could be why, you know, an artist paints or why a filmmaker makes a movie is because they're, you're putting your stamp on You're putting your that, stamp, yeah, there's no new ideas. There's only your unique take on the idea. That, yeah, and, it, and it's the same reason why you, possibly why, you, you know, you spread your seed. With yeah, exactly. Right, because your name is living on. Well, everybody's uh, got that. They, they right. need to live forever. Biological well, yeah, imperative. It lives in everybody, and you just, you know, it's everybody's different way of figuring out yeah, it's, how to it's, leave that behind. I'd mentioned before yeah. that Blackbeard, the pirate, was only a pirate for about like two years and we still talk about them you know to this day and it's just like fuck that is kind of an immortality it's the mm-hmm. closest you get oh, yeah, to yeah, immortality yeah. is people talking about you yeah. remembering you so the idea that yeah she got this harpy she's an interesting little hag woman she has yeah. like a hat oh, it's like a, a, wig, tree. Right? <laughs> a tree but the hat is a tree trunk there's a bird always a crow, uh, crow. Always yeah, I gotta do Arthur Rank- Arthur Rankin is the production designer on like The Hobbit and you know all all these type, all these movies they did. This guy is one of the my favorite artists of all time. There's just does something he do the drawings now? Because well, I saw he a lot does, of Japanese. He, I mean, well, uh, he does. He does the production design. He he designs the characters. So so this is his artwork. Like you can find uh, Hobbit books that have like his production artwork mm. for the animators to oh, use. Uh, yeah. You know, every you got to come up with your your character. Mm-hmm. Uh, Whatever you want. Like the, the model, model. the yeah, model. Yeah, you yeah. got to come up with the model, then all the animators will copy this animation style. Well, that was what was impressive about this. I mean, like right off, the, I mean, the visual style, but right off the bat, there's like a, a pan through the trees that's using like multiple planes of, you know, uh, of depth. Yeah, uses moving. like right. different glass layers. Yeah, to try and mimic the live action, like camera pan through tree, which was, you know, impressive right off the bat. But I mean, the character models are like. Very, you know, detailed. I think like that art style. It's very specific and very, you know, detailed. There's a and, lot of like skin creases yeah. and bags under the. But their they didn't eyes. skimp even on the backgrounds. I was noticing because like some of the stuff. I mean, like Bakshi's, you know, Fire and Ice is a comparison. It's like that movie must have been done very quickly, where it's just like paint daubs for the the backgrounds. You know, it's like we'll just splatter a bunch of paint. And that's a mountain, you know, <laughs> where this was like, they drew the stuff out. I mean, the trees, every, you know, leaf or, you know, branch on those trees and backgrounds had. Or at least know, it does yeah. a good job at like just doing like a primary color, then choosing a color to do like a few stripes. Mm-hmm. And it really sells this idea of like, hey, man, I mean, that's what I've always loved about artwork is artwork's always 
how much you cannot make it a photo accurate drawing, but you give the impression of something to where your mind will make up the rest. Yeah. You know, like because even the characters aren't entirely humanoid. I mean, they're humanoid, they're but they're caricatures. Yeah, bigger nose, big yeah. nose, yeah. bigger oh, this guy big loves eyes. Draw those big noses, yeah. but yeah. even like oh man, the the muscles on the horses. Did you notice that? I mean. The way, and, I mean, the the unicorn isn't so much drawn like this just because they want to keep it like an elegant design right. or whatnot. But the bull. The bull, uh, Captain Curdy or whatever his fucking name is, Captain uh, Cuddle, Cuddles? Cuddlebug, God damn yeah. it, Cuddles. Captain Cuddles. <laughs> <laughs> but his horses had a very, like, the you could just tell the muscle texture of the horse. Uh, and one thing I really liked in this is... Uh, Especially when it comes to just uh, drawing horses, if you're into that thing. <laughs> or uh, I've always been fascinated with uh, the design of horses. But at the beginning of this, when the horse, uh, or when the unicorn leaves the forest, they start with the, you know, with the heavy running, and it goes to the trot, and it goes to the slow walking. It's like, man, they, you know, they did a really good job at capturing the feel mm-hmm. of. I don't know how much of this is rotoscoped. It didn't compar- look. Like it didn't it, look ro- yeah. exactly. It didn't look rotoscoped. Mm-hmm. That's what's impressive to me. That mm-hmm. fuck, they got that. They got the feeling of the slow trotting horse and. Uh, and uh so yeah uh uh, <laughs> uh Schmendrick, Schmendrick the magician that just sounds like a Mel Brooks name Schmendrick. <laughs> I'm Schmendrick you're Schmendrick the magician <laughs> the last of the red hot swamis which well like I said I'm pretty sure the red hot swamis were like some like one of the last like magi groups of, all like, I pulled up was uh bands yeah that's all that came up with the google search fucking weird <laughs> so and he's played by Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin, Alan Arkin. <laughs> which we were just talking about a couple of episode freak show episodes ago, because he was in something that we watched. He was one of those, oh, like, and the Rocketeer guys. There we go, Rocketeer. Oh, Rocketeer, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the end of the Alan Arkin corner. <laughs> Who was in Rocketeer? Uh, PB. Oh, PB. Yeah. Okay, so this is young, younger. Yeah, Alan Arkin. definitely young. Yeah, because I'm not. Was he ever young? Because I'm not really. He's always been old. I'm not really an Alan Arkin fan, so I'm not. I was like, who the fuck is that? Mm. So yeah, yeah Rocketeer, <laughs> PB. I yeah. mean, he, he has a really like you don't you don't hear a young Alan Arkin very often, but in this film, he has a great delivery. Dude, I kind of think mm. he holds this movie. Yeah. I really do, because like the movie. Like I said, it starts off a little like, holy shit, this might be a little kiddish because you got like a lot of songs, you got a lot of, you know, just a you know, beautiful unicorn like like narrating to herself. You got a butterfly that's like singing songs about shit. At the at the beginning of this, you're like, oh my god, yeah. The first twenty like minutes a, didn't give me confidence. It's like, is this a girls' movie? But as soon as Alan Arkin like comes Tony. in and starts delivering, I mean, like, I mean, that's what Schmendrick has, man. He has lines, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I liked it when it got, got talking, when, yeah. when you know she got out of her forest and then the witch showed up and ev- after that it's like this is going kind of like dark there's all these like right. mythical creatures and you know, the it. threat of death it's like this thing's gonna kill you and that's what separates it to me from kids movies made or quote-unquote family today. movies made today it's like they try to sponge away the, any idea of death they right was, i was gonna say, well, they they say i'll destroy you yeah. yeah no there's a whole bunch of like this person's gonna kill me or it's like i'm gonna be that killed never happens this. but once again yeah. they're talking about immortality you know the idea that how can the last how can she be the last unicorn they're this immortal race that you know how right. the fuck could there be a last one yeah you know unless they're just hiding somewhere they wait somewhere for me so you're always bringing this idea of like well this thing could kill you or and i like how she's never afraid of death you know like because she even 
when she's going to free, you know she frees all the uh, the animals for Mommy Fortuna's carnival and she's going to free the harpy and Schmendrick's like no nah, what do you I'll kill you and uh, I love the voice that the harpy has when she goes free me we are sisters you and I yeah it's like holy fuck that is creepy it <laughs> is we are right. sisters <laughs> yeah just having just the idea of a female voice sounding like a man's voice like holy fuck that's scary well yeah because I mean the other animals in this traveling circus type thing are uh, it's almost like there's a spell on the cage that they're in. Yeah. To create a uh, uh, So the visitors see something. Yeah, like there's a lion. That's, for those who want to believe. For those yeah. who want to believe, we'll see something, which is, again, your imagination, you know. That's the whole, like, it's the whole idea of what, like, what later in the movie, the cat, what the cat says to Molly Grew, when the cat says that, like, humans always see what they want to, or which is like a, like, just something they love to do, you know. They always, they never want to see the truth. They always want to see what's easier for them or, you yeah. know, this fucking movie. No, I forgot. Purr. There was a talking purr. purr. But there was an awesome talking pirate tag. That, that'd <laughs> yes, be good. Was, that'd be nice. <laughs> With peg leg and all. Yep. So I like, peg leg uh, and eye patch. I mean, Schmendrick, I like uh, <laughs> this fucking line about, well, if you can't, if you can't have a top-rate magician, you could at least use a, a second-rate pickpocket. <laughs> yeah. yeah, after he tries after three all that. unsuccessful spells to free the unicorn, it turns out that he did have, you know... Well, I wish that had been the one that freed you from the cage. <laughs> yeah, I wish that would have been the spell. Did anybody uh, recognize the uh, poem? Uh, Mama Fortuna has a uh, kind of a lackey guy and he said that whenever or Schmendrick riddle. says that whenever he asks him a riddle, it always takes him all night. And when he came out, he said, I forget, why is a raven like a writing desk? That's a uh, riddle from Alice in the Looking Glass. Oh. That everybody, to this day, no one knows if... if, if uh, Lewis Carroll. Lewis Carroll <laughs> actually has an answer for. No one really knows. <laughs> it's just something that was thrown out to Alice. Does what? Why is a raven like a writing desk? See, that's the other thing that... Uh, I mean, I didn't pick that one up specifically, but there were other ones along the way that man, my brain is you know skipping on right now, but that I knew that like this movie was written by someone who was a an author, you know, or some kind of a novelist or something, because he made all these alliterations too, like other... You know, songs, other poems, other you well, the know, Robin Hood, yeah, when, the, yeah, when, uh, Robin Hood, Robin Hood or like the many things the butterfly said, like yeah, stuff yeah, was yeah, popping yeah, out yeah, of his mouth. Yeah. And it's just like Even holy from shit, the future, you know, right. shit that wouldn't have been invented yet. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those fantasy things. That, hey, this butterfly, you know, who knows the butterfly? Even the fact that the it's King Lear or Prince Lear in this, but yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, we're going yeah. a little bit like a little, a little. Well, I don't know. King Lear is even—is that even real history, or is that just mythology, or is that just Shakespeare? I'm not I sure. Think it's right. just, yeah. <laughs> is it Shakespeare? It's, I mean Shakespeare, it's right? Shakespeare, King Lear, King Lear. Because yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not a Shakespeare fan. <laughs> so I know King Lear is familiar, but yeah. but it's not. I mean, it's not like uh, another Rankin and Bass story, you know? Right? It's, yeah, yeah. Making, something that's yeah, allusions to like. Yeah. I like when uh, there's outlaws that find uh, Schmendrick and kidnap him, and they're talking about how, you know, they're real outlaws. They're surviving on, like, rat soup and shit, <laughs> and they're talking about, like, you know, I, I like that when they're like, hey, sing us a song of of Captain, uh, God, I can't remember that guy's name. Cuddles. It's like Curry? Captain Cooney? like Tully? Cully. Was it Captain Cully? Captain Google. It was Captain Cully. It had to be Captain Cully. Come on, damn it. Google. Cool, Kubi. 
I'm going with Captain Coley until I get corrected by Colin. So, so Captain Coley, Coley, it is. He's like, Coley. he's like, sing us a song, you know, about Captain Coley and his adventures. Everyone's like, oh Jesus, not that again. They're like, sing us a song about a real hero, about Robin Hood. And Captain Coley's like, there is no Robin Hood. He's a myth. And for some reason, Schmendrick starts doing his like, magic do as you will, magic do as you will. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden, uh, Robin Hood and Maid Marian and, like, Will Scarlet. And uh, once again, yeah, about this movie, I like the idea that even though we're watching a fantasy movie, fantasy stories mean a lot to these people. You know, just the idea of imagination means a lot to everybody. It's where you get your inspiration. It's where you get, even though people would say imagination doesn't fucking matter, it actually could be, you know, what leads you to do what you do. You know, leads you to become who you are, even though it's just imagination. And it's interesting that two Captain Cully's band of um, outlaws they would rather follow the fictional <laughs> Robin Hood than, than hang out with the real Captain right? Cully. <laughs> right? Yeah, I wasn't sure if they thought that was a real. Uh, if they thought that I was don't know. Real, but they they went after. Thought... It was like Robin Hood and all of his men are just walking through the forest, like we're gonna go after him. But but then after that, when. Uh, well, shit, I guess we got to talk about the tree. So, yeah, so Cam Cawley, I like that that idea that, like, well, let's just, uh, let's see what we could do about a wizard that conjures Robin Hood, see what he's worth to us, you know? <laughs> and, like, ties him to a tree, and he tries to do the magic, do what you will, to get out of the tree, and he turns the tree into a live woman <laughs> with some big bosoms that his face is just smashed against. And I just... Oh, I love you. Love, 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 love. Oh, God, I'm engaged to an Douglas Fir. Yeah, the humor was, like, pretty, like, on point. Yeah, you slip it in there. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> just dialogue, just just quick witted, like <laughs> almost like straight man dialogue, mm-hmm. like characters step outside of a second just to kind of be like, oh god, you know, dragon or you know, yeah. just kind of point point at what the fuck's going on. But uh, after that scene is when uh, Molly grew the uh, the wife of Captain Coley, or you'd imagine, I guess, the, wife, but something. at least just a woman that a woman. takes care of him or something yeah. like that. I mean, she must have not been too attached to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But she starts talking to Schmendrick about just how, I don't know what she was asking about him being a magician or something. But then she sees the unicorn, you know, and this, like, I swear to God, man, I think no matter how old I get, dude, just the idea, like, brings... It just like fucking tears my eyes. Like thinking about Molly Grew, how she's like, how dare you? You know, how dare you come to me when I when I'm like this? You know, right? Uh, you know, you could have come to me ten years ago, twenty years ago. The it's like, man, just the idea that I don't know. I guess you maintain a certain amount of uh, innocence until you get to an age where you're like, well, fuck it. You know, the world is shit. Everything's fucking shit, you know? And that's why we can't see unicorns. But then you actually see, like, oh, my God, all this magic was real from the get-go, you know? Everything I kind of, like, started to disbelieve in, maybe, throughout But there's time something or... to be said, the fact that she was still able to see it. She knew it as soon well, as she, she well, saw Well, she it. said, is, if you've been waiting to see one as long as I am, she does believe in magic. You know, that's, why I guess, why she would run off for Robin Hood's guys or something like that, you know? But just the idea that she's already, you know, I'm sure, you know, just the idea that unicorns were only for, like, virgins, maidens, rich, you know, just that idea. And she's probably, you know, 
she's probably had fucking 30 abortions by now. <laughs> you know, God knows. Just God knows the reality. She's had to fuck it. Well, you know, just God knows the reality. Just the reality adult has to deal with. You don't got time for fucking make-believe and magic. You got to right. put that shit aside for reality. And then when she sees it, just like, uh, just the way she reacts, I'm like, that's what really separates this movie from like anything I think even animated. Yeah, I think it does. It's that kind of perspective on the fantasy, you know, the 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 sense of wonder and you know the childlike again i'm saying innocence but it is it's that perspective the the adult perspective on that you know yeah Yeah. if you can maintain it i mean so so they learn about king haggard's holding the red or the king haggard is always uh whatever kept the red bull i like i like all the stories he has about how like no one knows if the red bull keeps him captive in his own kingdom if it's his bowl if uh mm-hmm. you know if it's just a ghost if it's just you know just that idea once again going back to story the idea of how stories can take on different meanings and and uh and the king's got that awesome like castle too i mean <laughs> oh, yeah. all of this stuff seems you know like taken right out of you know i guess <laughs> see i'm gonna say my childhood but that's not it it's like taken out of this like reservoir of like what fantasy imagery looks like for you know that creepy looking uh castle on the mountaintop just, you know, the, just the, the stone pillar the thin stone yeah, pillar that yeah, yeah, the, the turrets growing out of it like branches right. you know and stuff like that Maybe it's like the the, the castle in Dragon's Lair, the well, at the beginning of Dragon's Lair. Dracula, I mean, almost anything, right? There's yeah. a castle at the edge of a cliff, and there's yeah, a yeah. raging sea below it. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> so I like so the raging ball. You know, of course, when when as soon as the uh, oh shit, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but I just wanted to mention it real quickly. Just the idea that when Schmendrick apologizes to the unicorn or damn it, I forget the words exactly but he but he's like you know you know I hope you don't think this and she's like I'm not you know she has like no concern for right. mortal mortal feel you know he's trying to make amends for something He's like, I hope you don't feel sorry for this. She's like, I don't, I don't yeah, don't worry about right. it. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, not. I'm a fucking immortal. Fuck you know, things me. don't bother me. Well, the whole thing, I guess, about this movie, I guess we should uh, get uh, talk about is the idea that you know, immortals don't feel regret. You can't feel regret when you've never known what it is yeah, to like, she necessarily lose anything. That she knows sorrow, but not regret. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of interesting. So that's like that seems to be what well, separates her. Because so wouldn't you kill yourself? It would, I mean, imagine if you did like if you were an immortal right from birth, and everyone you died, you it you know it tore you the right? fuck apart. Right? That building up over the years? every single time. And if you're an immortal, we're not talking about one or two or three or four. We're talking about everybody you fucking love dies. Yeah, you know. Well, so it, you can't have any sort of like connection to those things. It is almost like. The way we feel about maybe a cat die, you know. Not, I mean, some people fucking love their cat. Let's say gerbils. <laughs> the That's one, better. Goldfish. Yeah, goldfish. They're very, yeah, they're goldfish. goldfish. That's a great one. Yeah, exactly. The way someone feels about their goldfish dying is a way an immortal feels about it about anything else. Like it's just like it's just something. It happens. Yeah, I'll never a, know anything about it. Like an emotional aloofness or something. Exactly. Like that. That's. That, cultivated by their time spent on the Is that planet. something that I mean it's weird because like they can't evolve to that if they're immortal. So that's just something that's in their primitive DNA. Just not to 
care about something that's not. Yeah, you just, you don't know, so it's not, you know, it's just not there. You've never had to feel it. Nobody has ever had to feel it. I mean, but they can feel, like, a friendship or a love, right? Yeah, and she says, like, I think that's what's specific about that. I, I, but I they feel don't feel sorrow. attachment. Yeah. They, uh, they don't feel attachment. They feel the love. They don't feel the, they just understand things come, things go. Yeah. They got, yeah. like, a fucking very zen-ass, like, a zen reality to it that, like, <laughs> Yeah, it's cool. Are all unicorns female? By the way, I don't know. I didn't talk. It about sure it. looked that way. It, it well, I mean, but I'm just wondering. Maybe, maybe yeah, they're, maybe they're unisex. Right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're unicorns. I want to say in legend there was a male and shot. a female. At least it seemed that way because one of them got their horn taken away. Really? Uh-oh. Wasn't that the whole thing in legend? I'm not aware of this. The goblins cut off the. I don't think it mentioned horn. if it was a horn of if they were male or. Female. Well, there was a pair of them. So yeah, I it didn't say. So it was just. I, I just guess there would always be a pair because how else would you? Yeah. Are all unicorns incestual? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, at this movie. So so okay so when they find King Haggard's castle, of course the Red Bull can just sense that fucking unicorns here. So it comes out charging. So uh, so Schmendrick, who's found out his magic only works when he's not necessarily trying to do anything. He's like, I'm only a conduit for this. It just kind of. It just knows what to do in the moment, you know. I really can't direct these things. And so that turns out to be the key to him becoming a great magician is that that is the understanding that, you know, the younger magician doesn't have, but the you know, the wiser Schmender does. Is like all I have to do is kind of point it in this direction. I can't will it what to do. He can only do it at like important times. He's not yeah, like right. he's not like a showboat guy. He's mm. not just like a flashy like Make things appear and disappear. Can only do it when like shit really matters, and so he turns the fucking unicorn into a girl, a human goyle. Which that was unexpected at that when that happened in the movie. I don't know. I wasn't like expecting that. No, I wouldn't. A movie called The Last Unicorn. She was going to turn into a girl. Yeah, I yeah, that caught me by surprise. Yeah, and which and if you like, I mean, if you look back on it from nowadays, it seems like hey, every fantasy yeah. like anthropomorphic right, thing yeah. turns into a. <laughs> that's how it learns, whatever. But yeah, in this movie, and right from the get go, <clears throat> once again, there's one of those things. I swear to God, man, as soon as Mar- Molly Grew cries, I'm fucking done. The rest of this movie, every concept fucking hits me. Where she says uh, she can feel the body dying, you know, like once again an immortal thing, never yeah. even thinking about it. Now knows. Oh my God! There's an end to this. There's a fucking end to this, and it's for you know, and it's yeah, that's coming like the in first thing day. that hits her because she yeah. turns into like this young. I mean, she's young, not like an old woman. A young, you know, girl, vibrant, and she's yeah, like, I can feel this body. This is like the first thing out of her mouth. <laughs> yeah, what did you do? <laughs> it's to just me? at odds with you know, like, well, she's young as hell, but not in the span of you know, yeah, in millennia. eternity, yeah. yeah, in eternity, a hundred years is nothing. It's a minute, yeah, you know. So you, to her, it just must feel like she's just decaying, or, like, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right the off the bat, yeah, right I'm, from the moment. Dude. I'm more scared that, of this body again, than I was the bull. Yeah, more scared of this body. Yeah, why? Don't you just let me go with the bull, you know? But see, yeah. I thought Another that, one of those when things. she said that, I thought that was maybe introducing an adult concept, too, that, like, the body, now that I'm here, I'm going to have, like, emotions and wants, needs, desires, all this other stuff. That's why I'm afraid of it. You know, yeah. death, death yeah. is part of it, but, like, all the stuff that comes with being a human. I've never had to human, deal with it. Yeah, yeah. You know? And just the idea, I remember, even though this is a little, a small smidget off topic, there was a Twilight Zone episode 
uh, called The Shelter, where a family builds a bomb shelter, and their friends can't fit into it. And the wife is kind of questioning the husband, where she's like, well, even if we fucking survive, what's the point? We're just going to crawl through the wreckage, and, like, we're not going to have anything? We're not... It's like, why not just fucking die? You know, why survive in nothing, you know, when you can die with the rest, you know? Yeah. And so... You know, they just approach King Haggard's castle. Just because hey. they say that the Red Bull doesn't. And when she becomes a she becomes human, a human, the Red Bull can't like the can't Red Bull only her, goes apparently. after yeah. unicorns. That's it. It's like its sole purpose. I like how this movie doesn't even tell you how King Haggard. Yeah, the controls Red Bull or has yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. even matter. I was curious about that. It was like, is he a slave to it? Is it a slave to him? <laughs> Apparently, he just likes rounding up unicorns. It could be. I guess there's some it. connection to the old uh, the old uh, magician that. Oh, there maybe that be. Schmendrick. Yeah, I, I, maybe. I just associate that. I guess it could be. Once again, like the movie doesn't yeah, like, not, but doesn't and, matter. I mean, that's the closest fucking theory I've got from this. Maybe the old magician created him or brought him about something. Mm. Well, or it's like, uh, why do why do you know like hound dogs? Why do they seek out fucking rabbits or even like uh, sheep herders? Well, we know? train them. We well, use eugenics to. <laughs> but, as soon as a dog didn't do that, we killed it, and like the dogs that did it for us were like. That's a keeper. Yep. Well, Breed so it. Maybe there. Maybe there. Maybe this is a long line of red bulls that died. Because <laughs> it's basically he's herding the. Yeah, he herds yes, the he unicorns herds into the sea. Into the sea. Yeah. So I like how uh, once again, once again, this is another idea that's just kind of like cool fantasy to me. The idea that the two men guarding the gates. Uh, turn out to be the king and his son. You know, there's yeah. nobody else there. It's just like, there is only us. <laughs> <You know? laughs> there's only four people, which you learn one is the cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, King Haggard, what you get from this, which I fucking love, it's another concept, once again, of immortality. The idea that nothing makes King Haggard happy. You know, you could have all the riches in the world. You could have... You know, King uh, Prince Prince Lear isn't his son. He just thought, hey, maybe having a son would make me happy. And then he says, uh, looking at the unicorns are like the only thing that gave him bliss. And then, you know, whatever. He just gets bored with everything. Yeah, he's Which, a character with uh, he's got a warp somewhere deep in his soul, where that's like the only thing that can give him any what kind did of he joy. Lose I think it's just like access, life. right? Because if you're an immortal, you'll never lose anything. But if but as a human, you try to gain so much power, you try to whatever, and yeah, you're never gonna get it, right? Because no matter what, you're gonna die, no matter what. If you're not at least somehow ready to die, you're gonna have a fucking miserable life. Just because, hey, you're going to come to an end. There is no, like, fucking happy ending for you. There's just not. You're just going to die. So just the, uh, almost the same thing with Hellraiser, right? The idea that you've lived, you've done everything. All you could do is open this box to fucking hell, you know, or whatever. You know, because fuck, with everything comes... But I don't even know if I got that from... I mean, I know what you're saying. The Hellraiser guy, like, experiences everything in life to the point where he's bored with it now. But it almost didn't seem like that was the case with Haggard, if I'm reading it, you know, just the well, way I Well, I just figured, it. what else would a king... Why would a king be so well, empty? Because, it's, because I thought it was, it was almost everything. like just a psychopath. I think that was like... There was a hole, like, in this guy's soul, oh, and he's hole, trying yeah. to fill it. You know, like, maybe a son would do it. Nope. 
maybe this would do it. Nope, I've done this, I've but done this, but, even, but nothing satisfies it. And so the only thing that does is capturing these magic. Because what creatures. it is is permanent. That brings me joy. But it's permanence. That's what we all, even even like every single human being in the world, that's what we do. We have no, per- we're going to die. So we say, I like this. I need to hold it and I need to own this because I like it so much. I can't lose it because we have no permanence in what we actually do that we demand to own everything around us because we feel like that's a way of obtaining permanence. You know, we own this movie. No one can ever, you know. That's true. I mean, I can identify with that, uh, like, when it comes to, like, collecting. Because movies. I mean, we collect movies, I'm sure. Why? And why? All four of us. Movies aren't going away. Because (laughs) they're not. But you feel like, I gotta own this. I need this. I need to, like... And, collect them. I mean, even <laughs> the fact that the format changes every what ten years. Yeah, it's still like we have to, we have to own all the Blu-rays. Or else, well, I don't have anything. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's on my wall. I can you look. You just at have it. a yeah. wish list, you know. It's behind it's, glass, I can. Look well, at it's it. like collecting memories in some you way. Have, you remember where you were, or it's something you watch that movie and you got like a feeling well, from you it. Have yeah, now yeah, you right. kept it. You can almost look at it so again and just yeah. relive that feeling. Exactly. Even some. Sometimes from just looking at the box, am I right? Well, yeah. I mean, because you're maintaining. It's an illusion of permanence. An illusion. I like what the Buddhists do. The Buddhist every morning. Buddhist wait. At least at Buddhist temple, not Buddhist around America or nothing. But like at, (laughs) at Buddhist temples, they make these sand pictures, and it takes them literally like all year or like months to make these pictures out of sand. And then when they're fucking done, they go throw it in the river. Just because it's that idea that no matter how much we try to hold on, no matter how much time, it's like nothing fucking stays around. It's all... Apparently, it's, even your memory, I found out this week, you remember the last time you remembered something, like you have, something happens, you remember it. The next time you remember it, you're remembering... Remembering. Remembering it. Every time you remember it from that, you're degrading that memory. It's eventually your memories are going to go. You, you only no. get the, you only get to experience the memory of that event one time. Yeah, and that's like I mean, that's really a truism too. You only experience things one time. That's why it's like shit. You know, it really does like I don't know. It makes you want to travel. It makes you want to like because it's like, dude, like yeah, movies. It's an experience, but it's, I mean, as much as like people who are listening to this or even us, you know, we spend so much time. On fucking movies that are just, you know, well, I mean, yeah, what I are they? Are they real experiences? Or are they just, Well, that's you know, the question for both Videodrome and Scrooge, I think. Both, you know, it's like you what goes in through the retina, you know, like becomes part of the brain, becomes remembered experience. So you are like expanding your horizons if, you know, I don't know. If you can't travel, you can at least see what people in yeah, Iran see, Hitler, live like, you know, or whatever. By what's watching funny is uh, Hitler thought that about conquering Russia. Hitler thought since he read this author that talked so much about Russia, which the author had never been to Russia, <laughs> but Hitler thought oh. if you really believe in experiencing something through art, it can make it almost a truism. Then, of course, oh, they got yeah. fucking smashed in yeah, Russia because yeah, yeah. they weren't prepared for it at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another, you know, it's just a, yeah. that's a weird you know it's just the other end of the spectrum of, yeah. of that of how much it could be an experience but it could also be a false experience right, yeah, yeah, because yeah. it's like you're not experiencing it you're going off of right. somebody, somebody else's, else's experience you have somebody to else's put creation trust in them yeah so yeah. anyway so king haggard yeah so he like i love that line where he automatically notices he's like what's wrong with your eyes why can i not see myself in your eyes 
Just because, well, I guess she's uh, she's got that like immortal stare. I guess she's not human. Yeah, at that yet. point, she's still right. Yeah, yeah. She still knows what. It's but like that's the her. thing. I guess she becomes, and that's what was kind of fascinating about her character from that point on. The more time she spends as a human, she seems to be forgetting who she is and what her goal is. Her goal is to find out what happened to the other unicorns, but she keeps forgetting this because she's you know experiencing. Uh, emotions, human, human right. emotions, and, and yeah, the the lustful stare of Prince Lear, Lear, Lear which I love. Lear, oh, I like ah, Lear. Ah, ah, there you go. The Lear, Lear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like how Prince Lear, uh, the first dragon, or the only dragon, I guess you see him uh, conquer. Is a Chinese dragon, which that's something I've always loved. That ranking of bass, they really do like pay attention to. If you watch uh, Flight of Dragons, one of their other cartoons, they have multiple different types of dragons. I've always been really good at like pointing out, like, eh, different, you know, different regions of the world had a different idea of what a dragon is. Like the, uh, they like to crisscross it a little bit. And all we have is the fucking Komodo. Am I right? Uh, I like to imagine that, like, on the prince's, you know, job description, it's, you know, go out and kill a dragon every day or yeah. something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's supposed yeah, to yeah. just impress women. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's <laughs> the, the fake slayer. idea. Well, the I don't want to say fake, but it is fake. The idea of chivalry. Chivalry all comes from, like, fairy tales where you go out like, I'll kill dragons for you. I'll a brain it's just because you know women want you to do fucking whatever you was there any <laughs> so. story there see this is what, what i was watching i'm like is this like was it uh king prince george george the dragon slayer the story of i oh, never mind I'll, I'll look it up yeah but about, now no, you're like, talking about george and the dragon and the dragon yeah that right. is what flight of dragons is based off of oh okay but that I, that's why i was like in that <laughs> moment when he was like slaying that it was a, like a callback to that old story but today, by about today's a guy, that's standards. about a guy whose mind gets transferred into a dragon. Oh. I mean, like, you kill cockroaches and spiders, right? And then four women, they call you over and you kill them. That's, that's what it's hey, gone down to. That's, that's, that's what it's yeah, down to. Love it now. No, but we're talking. You got to no, yeah. think caveman fucking days, where it's just like, I love this I woman. This guy wants to rape her. You know, back, back. He had to fucking kill off other guys to keep him from like stealing your women and, and taking cats. your kids. If you want to continue your bloodline, if your bloodline is that maintaining an immortality, mm-hmm. you got to yeah. protect your fucking bloodline. We are pack creatures. Save man. the lair mate. But the yeah. spider's not trying to take my woman. Well, but spider, we're <laughs> talking know. about... We're talking Maybe, about... No, no, threatens her about, safety. Well, at least I'm talking about the origins of fantasy. <laughs> Maybe the primal, the primal origins of fantasy. Uh, but aren't the origins of fantasy in... Uh, the mind of the person that well, they're creates pri- the no, I think fantasy, it is primal. It's primal fears that we have stories for. It's the idea of... You know, I mean, shit, every horror story, or every fairy tale is kind of a horror story to get the kids to stay in bed. Like, I've don't, don't wander. Horror stories are fairy tales. Yeah, don't this wander. A, this just is a fucking stay in bed because yeah. witches and because fucking dragons. It seems to be because- stuff that's handed down that it's, you know, trying to, you know, be the cautionary tale of, you know, don't go off the... Aesop's fables and Don't go off the path of the, the wolves are out there, you know, whatever the hell. Dragons yeah. will eat you. It's, right, exactly. it's a way to teach a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, yeah, or at least Warn. explain something we used to do yeah. at some point in time. like Or just, you know, 
highlight or show, you know, uh, it's a, like a teaching tool in some way. You know, it's like you're passing on that knowledge, I guess, to yeah. a less receptive, younger version the, by I, couching it in some kind of terms that they can understand. And, and that will of, terrify them for the rest of their life. Right, well, yeah. So, <laughs> Well, and the idea of killing a dragon comes more from back in the day, what a hero was. It wasn't like... A hero wasn't saving the world. A hero was going up against insurmountable odds. Mm-hmm. That's it. You didn't even have to live. Yeah. You just, hey, this motherfucking dude's going to fight a bear, you know, or whatever. You're like, holy shit, this guy ain't got no chance. What a hero. You know, because yeah. he's brave enough to do it. That's heroic. And uh, Prince Lear identifies himself as a hero at some point. Yeah, I've like, done everything but become, you know. Yeah. And in the uh, end, and I don't think this is jumping ahead too far, but he actually, at one point, you know, the magician is like, you know, I've done all that I can at this point to save the unicorn. You know, that's what magicians do. You have to go. And like now it's like this is a job for a hero. He's like, you're right. This is a job for a hero. And I'm like. Are they like making a comment right now on fantasy itself? You know, on like the the structure of you know the fantasy, the fairy tale story. Yeah, because they they do mention you know it, 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 you don't get to the ending halfway through the story of the fairy tale when they're in the cave, and then at that point I thought, are we only halfway through this? <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> oh no! Oh no! But it's yeah, it's the that's the point when they are commenting on. Uh, the, the whole idea of like self referential yeah, self referencing yeah. your yeah, own fan, story it's like story. breaking down yeah the uh, the, the under, underlying mechanisms of the stories that you're telling which is kind of interesting yeah because that always you know when when that especially in a film like this when it happens three quarters of the way through it becomes like a, a huge shock to the audience because like I I got other themes leading up to it, but I never got like that self-referencing theme, you know, that that cabin in the woods idea or anything that, you know. And that's what I like about it because, I mean, the idea of this movie is magic is dying. So those things are fairy tales in this world. It's just the idea that some people know there's dragons. Some people know there's unicorns. Some people, right. people that are still in tune to that world are still experiencing that world. But the rest of the outside world... They're already going to the age of reason. Yeah, They're already going to the age that I think that's why he can self like self reference, like, well, in a fairy tale, this happened just because they're at a time already. Yeah, so I guess they do it with Robin Hood. Robin Hood? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that yeah. goes back to the thing we were talking about earlier with all the allusions to other literary things. He's constantly, see, actually, this is, I'm thinking about this now. It's like, that, you know, that's one of those things that seem to be missing from a lot of movies. To, that are made today, but and it also goes back to the idea that you can tell that there's a guy who's read a lot of, you know, who's a literary guy writing this thing. He makes allusions to all this stuff, and he's making allusions to it and commenting on the structure of the movie that he, or the story that he's telling. You know, yeah. that it's all about stories that we tell, you know, it's like, and this is the function that these characters play in that yeah. that story. Once again, you gotta believe it's, in the magic to make it real. You gotta, you know, yep. you can't just, most people want the magic or like just say, you know, like, just, yeah, that's not a half lion. But half they want, they human, just want magic scorpion. to show them it's but, real. Where it's like, well, you got to believe it first to see it. You can't. The magic can't be real first. You got to believe it. And what what makes you believe it is that fantastic story that is told. You know, like the 
madam or yeah. uh, the back of the circus. I mean, it's, yeah, it's building up that idea. So these people that came in and they paid money to go see what they want to see. They want, yeah, they're, they're going there. To they're going to, they're going to see it. And all you have to do is entice them with this, you know, like description of what the animal is, you know, the, it's got the, the, car, <laughs> the head of a human <laughs> brother Theodore, the guy's the body of a lion. The tail, the tail of the scorpion. scorpion. <laughs> Creatures of the night come to life. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're gonna have to remember this for an after the podcast discussion. <laughs> 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 Suddenly sparked something. So the, the pirate cat, the pirate cat. Well, she, the unicorn, finally starts to fall for Prince Lear because I mean she's got nothing else to do as a human but right. feel human emotion. So she's gonna start falling in love with the handsome guy. Uh, they do just kind of hang out in the castle. Did we mention that it's Jeff Bridges? Start, yeah, we yeah, haven't Jeff mentioned Bridges, Jeff Bridges yeah, Christopher Lee. Like, yeah, yeah, Christopher Lee is uh, King Haggard, mm-hmm. which is like oh, this is one of my favorite performances of his. It's yeah, a really yeah. good performance. Well, just the director the said like when he showed up, he's like one of the most like well prepared and literate guys that he's ever worked with. Like he came in and had like you know read the book and like read all this stuff and. <laughs> Yeah, he's just one of those old school. Old school. Yeah. Like, there's a majesty to Christopher Lee. I guess that's why he cast him as a king. Well, just the way just the way he says, uh, like, when Schmendrick comes in, uh, you know, they, you know, they're like, well, we'll stay here for a while. And, you know, hey, maybe I can be your magician. He's like, I already have a magician. And the dude pops up and... Uh, you know, he explains the situation. He's like, "Well, maybe if a uh, maybe if a competent magician couldn't make me happy, maybe an incompetent one will." So <laughs> like, that's fucking pretty brilliant. <laughs> that's, yeah. I, I love King Hagar, man. Like, like I swear to God, almost no other king in in a lot of fantasy stories strikes me as much as King Hagar. This dude, so like. This shit he says about like I guess I'll look at you for a while, you know, <laughs> like that's good enough to let them stay. Yeah, I almost want like his own movie, you know. Like, I want to know what story. fucking happened. Uh, you know, it's gonna be some shit about his wife dying. See, I don't know. Like I, you know? I, in my mind, this, the backstory I have on King Haggard is that he was just born a psychopath. <laughs> like he has. <laughs> I don't no, think he's psycho though. He has, he's just so. He's no, not, so, psych, not psychotic. He's old. Not psychotic. A, a psychopath that just doesn't have any kind of like empathy for like anything around you know he's bored by everything i mean you know that's why he's a king because he can make decisions that like i don't you know this but, is strategically the, the best king, way to go but even his kingdom bored him yeah he let it go to waste mm-hmm. you know they said every they said as soon as uh as soon as king king haggard's land uh hand touched the land it turned to uh, rock and dust or whatever the hell there was some line you would think that, that Prince Lear would be more screwed up. I know he's not his real son, but the fact that, uh, he, like, at what point did he get bored with having a son? You know? Yeah, that's and, why and he, probably, kinda, he probably doesn't even treat him like a son. A couple days or but, something. Yeah. A couple days or right. months or years. Yeah, he, or, he, he probably really, doesn't even treat him like a son. And that's what's so, like another. But like, there's those two guys, like I mean, a high guard, get along yeah. or something. You know? Well, there's also the magician <laughs> and the cats. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure King Lear just goes out looking for a wife. That's all he does. Prince Lear, he's just like. Wife, wife, dragons. <laughs> anywhere? Huh? So King Hagar, I like how King Hagar is like. I've known what you are. I when I very first laid eyes on you. And somewhere in there, wait, Jeff Bridges sings. Oh yeah, he does. See, yeah, that's how he calls a love romantic song. <laughs> yeah. That's actually the weakest part of this movie, Saints. in my opinion. Is the idea that they did like. Almost like two or three songs in a row, like at that point. Because I mean, this movie, 
it probably wouldn't have been a theatrical release if it wasn't for the songs. I mean, they put so many songs in this movie, it makes it theatrical length. Wait, did you mention that the songs are by America? America. America. Horse with No Name and uh, Sister Golden Hair. Now, are all the songs by America? Just, well, or just uh, they the last by them. They weren't. Okay. Yeah, they weren't. I forget. They're written the by the that Jimmy guy. West or whatever. But So it's were... just like the transitional but the, uh, yeah, the, stuff. Yeah, okay. the songs yeah. that are like the last unicorn theme song, uh, Walking Man's Road. I think they got maybe one other. Moon Rises. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but that's something I love about the Rankin and Bass era fantasy. It goes hand in hand with fantasy is folk music with fucking fantasy. Because, okay, The Hobbit yeah. has Glenn Yarbrough yeah, yeah, yeah. who does the... Greatest the, adventure. Yeah, the, le- the greatest adventure is what lies ahead. Uh, Flight of Dragons has Don McLean doing Flight of Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> it goes with that fucking territory of it fantasy does. from it the does. 70s. That's what I was, I guess, what I was talking about, like that kind of pastoral, kind of hippie thing. It's the folk rock. Well, it, but, it, but it's probably like what? Like minstrel rock, right? Yeah, like yeah, the yeah, idea that yeah. you had like. The dragon came through. <laughs> the, yeah. yeah. Wow. I know. That's what gave me the hippie vibe, I think, now that I'm thinking about it. Probably, yeah. yes. Yeah. And I wouldn't have it any other way. That's why, even though most people would disagree with me, that's why Legend needs the Tangerine Dream soundtrack. It's because there's something about 80s and, like, the music with lyrics that goes with those fantasy movies. It just goes oh. with them. Oh. It does. Oh, Do not deny conversation. I'm going to deny that to be true. Well, that's a conversation for another Bullshit. day. <laughs> it has but, a majestic Jerry Goldsmith score and 20 that. extra minutes of the movie. Legends are now here and forever. <laughs> oh, I shut Great. it. Is your Great. love strong enough, Brian Ferry? Oh, it's boy. terrible. Oh, yeah, it's oh, not. It's it is not. not. It was the way the movie was meant to be seen. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, so the cat tells him, oh, yeah, you got to talk to the skull. There's some, like, kind of... This kinda, is to find the red bull. Yeah, find there's some kind of, like, bullshit yeah. red all. I thought that was kind of the... I'm sure the book maybe goes a little better into this. But just like, ah, find the talking skull, the wine that drinks itself, pass through time. And she's just like, I found the skull that talks. It's like, okay. It's right there. You know, hey, by the clock. Sitting up there, right by the clock. <laughs> and it's an actual skeleton in the talk. But when, when we were having dinner tonight, me and uh, your good lady wife were talking about how there was something about this movie that creeps you out. And I fuck, that was it, dude. That talking skeleton is one of the most creepiest fucking things, probably to a that to five me, year old. Well, that to me goes back to the old black and white cartoons with the dancing skeletons yeah. and all the shit, because oh, that's Disney what popped thing? off in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not even, it's not Disney, though. Disney it's not yeah, yeah, the Fleischer, is it, is no, I think the Disney, Disney did the dancing skulls. Oh, God, I know what that's Well, it was on their Disney's Halloween yeah. tree, so we, we they did it, that, but they that's, this, it. that's what popped in my head, and that's that it's always, to me, was fucking just, creepy. You know, when, I was, when you were saying that about, like, the skull thing cre- creeped you out, like, I was thinking that, you know, at five years old, how do you identify, like, that's creepy? Like, there's something built it's into you. It's his voice. Your... He, he's like... He's like, oh, okay, I so it's know. Got the look of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very fucking like, what the fuck? This guy is on his edge, you know. And especially when they're like, you know, it's like, ah, it's not very good. Don't throw it away. I'll drink it, you know. But you yeah. can't smell or taste. I remember. It's very like <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, it just gives you like, 
You just know it. You just I think know it's just, it. It's just, uh, it's just the black eyes, black the big eyes, smile. Yeah. Like, mm. I, I think you can recognize what, like, you see something talking, and I you mean, can recognize what talks. I, mean, I think you recognize and what's it. Missing I just think this. it's creepy. I just oh, think it's one of the that, creepiest yeah. things of, like, cartoon history. He's mm. creepy. Especially when, 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 uh, you see his, 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 uh, his cheeks blush. <laughs> yeah, they do. His cheeks blush. His he's just blush. like, oh, now that's why. <laughs> you know, he's like all deviant and shit. And then uh, and when they start, his eyes that's turn Odo red. Odo from Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Who? Oh. Odo. The, I don't know what race he was. On Star that's Trek Deep Space Nine. What was his job? <laughs> what was his job? Yeah. What like, color uh, shirt did he wear? He hung out with uh, Deanna Troy. Is Deanna Troy? Was he the guy who was like the faceless-looking dude? No. And the slick back hair? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. The yeah, faceless-looking like, guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's him. Rene Auberge. June. It's a French-sounding name. <laughs> Rene. Just say it like French. Rene. Rene. Yep. Sorry for butchering your name, Renee. <laughs> so, yeah, when, I, I mean, especially <laughs> when uh, they start running for the clock, because, you know, they, he drinks the wine, they start running for the clock, he's like, no, His eyes turn red. Not you! Unicorn! It's like, holy fuck. Yeah, you can tell that she's a unicorn. I like that idea that you got to run through time, but it literally means just you got to go through the clock. <laughs> you got to go through the clock. <laughs> that's, where, the that's where the red, uh, red bull lives. The red bull, the red bull lies. And it's also sad they know when they're going. It's like the unicorn doesn't want to go. It's Schmendrick keeping her on the path. That like, no, goddamn it, it's, this is your fucking journey. This is your path. You yeah, because she's forgotten who she is. She's, it's Molly she, and Schmendrick yeah. are like, no, you're a unicorn. You no, Molly become, even wants oh, her to, marry to be the, happy. Yeah, that's right. It's just the idea. Schmendrick's like, no, goddamn it, there is no. You know, she isn't a human. She shouldn't be a human. The story doesn't end here. Yeah, the story doesn't end here. Goddamn it, mm-hmm. Molly grew. And then, uh, then Prince Lear has an opportunity to become the hero. And Which I love that scene where he's like, "Do something, do something." He's like, "I can't." That's what heroes are for. That's right. That's what heroes are for. <laughs> it's like Schmendrick knows the story, and he's just this is for standing up and dying. Like, you have to it's do just it for because Schmendrick isn't willing to stand up and die. He's a magician. A hero stands up right. and dies he, he knows for something they to. believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a fucking hero. You know, oh man, this movie. But once she becomes, <laughs> so they defeat the uh, the Red Bull. Yeah, and she like she pull, becomes a. Unicorn but the only again. I like this. The only way she's able to defeat the bull is once since she was human. She understands what loss is, so she's willing to fight for what she has. Yeah, and that is what gives her. The strength of turning the horn on uh, on the bull, you know, without that's why every single unicorn was rushed into the seas because they don't know loss. They got nothing to lose in a sense, so they're just going. I think they'd be interested in self preservation, but they don't I, well, die. I think apparently. that's what it is. Right. Like, but they live at the bottom of the they, sea, afraid to come up. They're for the, afraid to die, I guess. Well, they said they're afraid to come up because they're afraid that the, the red, red bull. bull. It's almost the red bull. Like I think they know the red bull can't kill him, but he's got this power over them. Mm-hmm. That he drives them. Like when he was driving the unicorn earlier, it's like... This is not fatal. It's, it's not, not like because they said, like, she knows he but won't kill her, but what's going on? Well, if you're an immortal, something that can actually intimidate well, she you, it's got to be the fear of death. It might not she be actual say, death. Maybe he can... The bull can project that onto them even to though, drive them. Well, yeah. I mean, even though that they are immortal, they, they've they been living this sheltered life, right? 
because they've never had anything like to yeah, deal with. Yeah, like the Red Bull. So in a way, you know, they're. I don't want to say ignorant, but no, well, she, I would. But she ignorant. says specifically at the beginning that that uh, our kind can be killed if we, you know if we go outside. Of, we, we can die if we go outside of the forest. So I mean, like that's where immortality. It's like you know you're protected as long you're immortal as long as you're within your you know magical forest. But you leave that, yeah, the <clears> and then you're open to out. the you know the ills of the world. You are somehow mortal. So are we to believe that this Red Bull has been like traveling to different forests yeah, and driving them out? Oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All over the world. King Lear wanted to collect just it. Just King Haggard. So yeah, they King just Haggard. hadn't found this last one. Right. Right. And I got to say, it's like one of the most beautiful images. Like, I swear, I would pay for an animation cell of just all the unicorns in the uh, tidal wave. They, oh, used that in, they used that in Lord of the Rings, the movie, because I'm like, yeah. why do I keep seeing this image of like in my mind of <laughs> unicorns as a tidal wave? Hmm. Yep. Well, it's not unicorns, but it's, it's uh, I think, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Liv Tyler calls down horses, uh, you know, like a tidal wave of horses to wash away hmm. the, the black riders. Dark riders? Yeah. What are they well, called? Whatever they are. Yeah. The Oz- The Nazgul. 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 Uh, yeah. Uh, they prefer to be called African-American riders. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, there it is. Uh, uh, <laughs> easy race joke. Easy race joke. Please I still drink. can't remember what they're actually called. This they're called Night Wraiths. Night Wraiths. Night Wraiths. There you go. Fuck. What's, what's the Nazgul? Nazgul. Nazgul. That's what they're called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so but at yeah. the end of it, though, she, like, the thing that she takes away from this whole experience is that she has learned what regret is. She remembers being human. And well, she regrets takes away... not being able to stay right. with Lear. Right, she right, regrets right. Yeah. not being able to. She had to. If she wouldn't have become a unicorn, she wouldn't have freed her other unicorns. But she had to sacrifice what she most wanted. But I like to... this. That she's like, I've learned to regret. Right, you know. And so this is going to make me different than every other unicorn out there. And Spendrick is like, I'm sorry that I've you know foisted this evil upon you. And she, you know, that somehow she's been, you know, forever altered in a negative way by having regret, which is, you know, interesting. Yeah. (laughs) That's an interesting concept. It is. And she's like, no, no, no. It's actually, you know, like you saved my life. You saved all these other people. And like, you know, I'm happy to have this. Yeah. She was happy to have it. It's another hero thing. You got to know Wasp to know, you know, that's why... So many movies nowadays, I think they people want their cake and eat it too, where they got a hero that gets to like have his family and still be a hero. It's like, that's not the case. The case is usually you lose everything and it makes you become the right. hero. Because you're fighting because to not have that well, loss yeah, again. Because what else is going to drive you? You're usually just comfortable in your in your place until you feel that loss. And then... That's when you know, well, fuck, they took this away from me. I got to know to protect my shit. Or we'll lose everything. You know, just that idea of, like, dare I say it's like the Jesus thing, the ultimate sacrifice to be to be the savior of mankind. You know, it always goes back to that, right? Right. That ultimate, well, which is, is I mean, it's a blood sacrifice. Everything's always a blood sacrifice. Prince Lear had to, like, had to sacrifice himself to save, uh, to save uh, the unicorn. The unicorn gave up a piece of her, her immortality, I guess, uh, just to save her her race of people or what are people the unicorns? So she really, I mean, Unicorn. in a Unicorn. sense, 
at, by the end of the movie, she's she is the one unicorn that is special yep. because mm-hmm. she's able to regret and, and she she's yes. wise. She's wise. I would say the others aren't ignorant, but they're naive. Exactly, they're naive because they've never had. They to don't know experience. what it is to die. It's like a non-concept, right? Yeah, it's just not even existence. I've always loved in uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Two. When she talks about Jason, if Jason was so retarded, he might not even know the concept of death. So why would he die? That's a very fucking like hyper reality, very like, you know, like, holy shit. Yeah. If you do not know what death is, what tells you to die? If you have no fucking concept of it. Well, there's biology involved. But 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 you would be stupid. Yeah, we're talking about what we're, ta- works but, but we're but talking crow, about magic. We're talking about where reality yeah. is perception. Well, this the crow does the exact in the comic books of the crow. It's like it's not death if you accept it, and so he like rejects it, and somehow that's it, you know in its essence what brings him back to life. I've always liked that idea. We're we've got that idea now where they say science depends on the person observing it. That means that means whether no matter what you're looking at. Your perception will change the fucking matter you're perceiving, no matter what, because everybody's different. Everybody perceives things differently. Two people can do the same scientific thing, but their different perspectives could change the results, you know, just depending on what they're looking at, depending on, you know. That's, wow, that's a deep one. It's deep. It's, uh, I've always liked the the idea of, uh, uh yeah. Quantum, it's a quantum physics uh, conundrum thing going on there. The idea of uh, yeah, you're being there, your observance of something is affecting yeah, exactly its, its state. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's something. It's affecting its physical state. The idea that yeah. like if 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 a uh, if you put a cat in a box and and like put gas in the Schroeder's, box, Schroeder's the, the, cat or the Schrodinger, yeah, the, Schrodinger's cat, the cat isn't cat. dead until you perceive it being dead. Right. You don't know if it's alive or dead. You have to perceive something yeah. for it to be a reality, or at least in your mind, a reality. But that's what I like about magic. If the idea, if you start. If you work your way around physics, if you could accept the idea, it's like the idea that like if everybody if everybody on Earth right now decided for a fact we could fly, we might be able to fly because it would become a reality. It will become if everybody accepted it the same way we all know this is blue or that's green. We have to all agree. Somehow we have to truly believe and agree that we could do this, and we might be able to change reality. That's, that's fighting mouth, a lot, in though. The mouth of like, it's may, maybe, lot, but that's but, fighting a lot. But it's not. I mean, that's why these theories when you exist. Get, when you get down into quarks and stuff like that, and quantum. Well, yeah, physics, when you get down into weird I mean, things, because they think right now, they think oh, right no. now we might be living in a. In a matrix environment, just because eventually down the line we might create one, so why wouldn't we already be living in yeah, like a simulation? <laughs> right. Yeah, why wouldn't we already be living in the heard. simulation if we could? Yeah, well, that's a yeah. So I, I did hear something to back that up. <laughs> All right, but anyway, so that's so, the last unicorn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then yeah. 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 I guess that's me. I'm it's going me. up first. I'm going to hold this in my hold up for the audience. So they can All right, I'm going to hold this up so you can see <laughs> Show it. Show us the picture. I like that now. It's got the voice talents of Jeff Bridges, number one, Mia Farrow, number two, as the voice of the last unicorn and angela lansbury she's on the cover mama fortuna. yeah i mean all the performances oh, were kind of, yeah. yeah angela lansbury mama fortuna and oh, songs performed oh, by america america yeah i mean i was pleasantly surprised by this movie i mean you never know i mean i'm 
It was my movie. Everybody was going to hate it. <laughs> Everybody thought they were going to hate it. A bit. <laughs> no, well, I always the start last off, movie like, hesitant on the animation ones. I'm like, yeah, I think it's just it's the animated. You know, it's like it's like okay, is this going to be like mostly a, like a child's a child movie that you saw back in the day that you're like, man, when I was a kid, this was awesome, and now you know I want to show it to people because you know it, it's somehow going to rekindle that. I've had this happen to me. People have done that to me, and I'm, I'm like, sure. dude, I don't. I, I'm sorry, I cannot go there. I'm not you know five years old anymore, twelve or whatever the hell it is, no. but. This one, this one, I He's think... Not a fucking baby. I'm not two. Right. <laughs> I'm not two. But this one is actually a very uh, literate uh, fantasy uh, story. I think that, you know, it's not copying, you know, Lord of the Rings. Thank you. Or- I, I'm sorry. I wanted to mention that how, yeah, J- everything copies J.R.R. Tolkien's high fantasy with dwarves, elves, yeah. orcs. Yeah, you see God. it over and over and over again. I swear to God, this and Legend are like the two that it's like, oh my God, it's this, yeah, it's a fairy world that we're aware of, but they don't rely on the fucking constant tropes of everything fantasy. Well, maybe that's what, maybe that's what differentiates it because I think maybe fantasy now in your mind is so ingrained that it's like you know orcs trolls goblins and all that well, shit where yeah because he basically yeah. like established what that was and everybody copies well, it and but TSR this, Dungeons and Dragons solidified well, they, yeah, that but, as being like this is fantasy yeah, J.R. Tolkien's world is right, fantasy yeah, they took his world and just like added a couple of layers to it uh, this does seem to go back to like an older world of when uh, old was spelled O O L D E, usually preceded by ye, yeah, ye old and ye old. You know, fantasy stories, you know, ye old fantasy story. yeah. And I guess it's you know, legend is coming. Legend does come from that same pool of you know of uh, you know folklore. I guess you know almost what yeah, it, um, just European fantasy, yeah, which is kind of you know more grim. Grim fairy tale, not like not grim. Hans Christian Andersen and well, I mean, yeah, because it has. I mean, it's the thing that you know. And again, I think that you know, um, modern uh, children's films are missing. It's like this one actually seems to have like stakes. Like there's something that you could lose that matters in some way that, you know, I don't know. I just don't feel it as much from the modern films where it feels like either we've whitewashed away all the danger, you know, to the point where it's like, man, we're paying lip services, but we really know that our heroes are always, you know, they're going to be fine. You know, <clears throat> maybe you get this and that. I don't know. I mean, we were, you were coming up with like a different ending Brent, you know, for like what was going to happen yeah. at the end and what it did. Cool. I mean, it wasn't like, yeah. you know, I think at some point they said like happy, what was the line? Happy endings are, there no such thing as happy endings because nothing ever ends. Yeah, I mean, again, yeah, it's that it's that kind of meta layer of the movie talking about itself. But I mean, it does not have what a traditional Disney fan a happy ending where they get together in the end. I just ruined it for you, but you know, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a happy ending in some ways that you know, like. Sh- she found the unicorns. Well, yeah, but that was the class. Yeah, okay, she, yeah, <laughs> but, was... but she gained something, some kind of knowledge, knowledge about herself, and it, it's like, you know, these are concepts I think that are eluding a lot of, or not eluding, but they're not featured in, or we don't trust audiences to be smart enough to handle in our, you know, kids movies. Again, I should use kids in air quotes. Movies today, he knows I hate and that's kids movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it. I mean, because I mean, again, I, 
I think it's still, you know, it's a, that's the audience is, you know, younger people, but I don't think, you know, uh, I mean, I think especially now that like we've kind of crossed the, the line between animation being for just kids with the rise of the Japanese, you know, animation, a lot of the people who worked on this apparently went and often formed Studio Ghibli. I also did read that somehow, like, this version, like, deletes some swear words that were in the original version. What? Yeah. Hold on. I'm not aware of. Let's go to the Wikipedia. I will read this verbatim. I know you can look this up. Yeah, what the hell? I've seen this movie a lot. I'm not sure how accurate they are. But I've seen this movie in VHS form. My name is Christopher Lee. Unless it was a theatrical release that they edited. It says, uh, let's see, uh, the DVD was released by Lionsgate in 2004, but it was poor quality masters, and the video suffers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can tell this on the Blu-ray, actually. Yeah. They, well, the Blu-ray, the video, yeah, but I, it was grainy, but that, I think, is actually, like, cleaned up. I mean, like, the fact that you can see the natural grain of the film, but the, it looked, like, really good. Yeah, to, the, to my the actual well, after that, cells, it was better, yeah. The characters that you could tell are the cells look really fucking pretty clean, but... The background shit looked pretty grainy. I don't see on this, and it says it's the 25th anniversary edition, but they're saying... I think it is. But this, the, the 25th anniversary edition, which was released in 2007, has audio and visual quality superior to the original release, and is 16 by 9, but has several swear words edited out as wow. being a result of taking from PAL Masters, and it plays ah. 4% faster than the original film. Wow. Weird. Yeah. So that's weird. Like, they had to go to Germany... Yeah, they took the yeah, European. Says, yeah, because the first version that they put out back was so shitty, NTSC. they had to Conlin Press uh, lobbied Lionsgate to do something about it. They licensed the German audio, video, and masters. They oh. came up with the 25th anniversary Weird. edition because I thought that this thing was rated PG when it came out. I also thought John Ritter was in it. But what I don't am know, I thinking? Well, John Ritter's in Flight of Dragons. There you go. Okay. I'll um, just see, because I, I don't know. I don't remember curse words in this movie. I don't imagine what they could have said. But I mean, I mean again, I'm sure it's kinda, just like damn it or shit. Yeah. Or, I'm sure it's not, I'm bad. not even shit. But that's crazy. Like, damn it or hell or something. I'll have like to that. track down like an original VHS or something. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that adds a layer of interest to it is the fact that it's, you know, a story that's commenting about the fact that it's a story, and it's specifically this type of uh, fairy story, you know, I mean, all that, uh, it adds to my enjoyment of these you know, of movies in general, you know, I guess when I'm watching them, and it seems like, you know, you know, there's these allusions to, like, a broader world of literary influences, you know, like True Detective. When we were watching that, I mean, they had uh, that same kind of thing going on. And that gives, like, that extra layer of interest uh, to me. So, I would, yeah, I'd recommend The Last Unicorn uh, to adults and children of all ages. Pass off the... Pass in the box. Uh, this is the first time we've Brent, done you're this. a children of all ages. Go ahead. I, Passing I, the box. That's what I'm, we should call the... Uh, it should be. <laughs> now it's be. time for passing the box. Oh, Sean, I am not a man. You are correct. So uh, watching this movie, I, you know, uh, like Colin was saying, yeah, I, I was trying to figure it out towards the end, and I was thinking it was we were in the midst of a Beauty and the Beast or Shrek-type situation. Where we were going to find out. As it could be. <laughs> but, like, yeah, I, you know, and I will say, I will admit that uh, going through it, I wasn't on that deeper level that I think Travis, having seen it multiple times, or maybe Colin, the first time shot, I don't know, we haven't gotten to you yet, but, I mean... 
like you guys are watching it on a deeper level and I think it's really important with a film like this to talk about it afterwards because having just seen it just going like having this conversation now like I can look back and be like oh you know what they're right it was something it is something more and I'm ashamed to say that maybe I didn't catch all of that the first time around but watching the adventure I was well, quite, did you enjoy it the first time around I did you know I mean that first maybe 20 minutes is rough it's a little rough it's it's rough <laughs> she has no characters to bounce off of question but, is it rough because your expectation based on all the stuff that you've seen in the years between what is this come what'd you say 80, 82 82 wow. and now um, have crafted an idea of what this type of movie is going to be well i i don't i don't want to say it's rough because of that i don't want to say it's rough because it was a travis pick i want to say i think it's no because it's an anime movie and usually anything we see nowadays is faster but no see i don't want to that's what he's saying and i don't think that's why i think what it was man i'm just gonna sound like an idiot i think (laughs) i think it's because we had like three songs back to back and they were all kind of just happening songs nowadays i mean i mentioned before how in disney i mean disney had the sherman brothers in like the 50s and 60s and then they had uh yeah, Phil they Collins. Had, before that, no, they no, had no, Andrew no, Lloyd Webber's guys. No, damn it, the guy it? who did Little Shop of Horrors and did he did Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid. So really, yeah. the music we do know from cartoons well, John's are guy. literally from like a few people, <laughs> like not yeah. like a lot. And that that's a good point. Maybe like because the Disney stuff, it starts out with one character singing, but it ends with a full you know Broadway production mm-hmm. what well, does it more like a musical yeah well right. that's what yeah like Beauty and the Beat like those totally are like that's how I see that movie is an animated Broadway show yeah, yeah. basically yeah. yeah and that's I can't believe I can't remember that guy's name that's a feast you know visual yeah. and it's like H oral feast but this is just, you know, like a butterfly singing or the... Yeah, you, you know, get a little like... Singing. Yeah. Oh, it's romantic. But then, <laughs> so you get past that, and then I've always... I mean, let's face it, this is a road movie for sake of argument. <laughs> right. Where, <laughs> a journey movie. Yeah. Every fantasy's got to be a journey. It is. It's going somewhere. Alan oh, Menken. Alan Menken is the... Oh. No, who's the lyricist? Music by... Oh, shit. Sorry, yeah. more research. Yeah, Alan Menken. Sorry. Yeah, Alan Menken's good and all that, <laughs> but the lyricist, he's the magic maker. And this... Yeah, I agree. Uh, <laughs> Howard Ashman. Howard Ashman. Sorry, Brent. Sorry. sorry. I'm going to stop. There was a, there was a, there we <laughs> had to talk about the guys that made musicals. Something in their crawl, and I had to get it out. <clears throat> this, uh, this movie is... Um, it's a road movie, right? Okay, that's where I was. So, and now I'm watching it, uh, you know, not on that deeper level, but also I, I always like the idea of uh, one character going out and going from point A to, let's say, point D, right? But along the way, at B, it's the Wizard of Oz. At B, you pick up a friend. At yeah. C, you pick up a friend, you know. Well, that's just the, that's like the fantasy thing, right? Doesn't it yeah. happen in like Final Fantasy games and shit? <laughs> like, you, that you happens. get more journey people that's the, that's everywhere, the right? The yeah. Quest. I think yeah. it happens. Is it in Willow? Does it happen too? I mean, it's yeah. it's everything. Yeah, because yeah. he gets uh, Val Kilmer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you're it's always. Star Wars. You always meet friends along the way. But That's how you get to know that you're real friends. You're, <laughs> you're meeting these, like, the best character of a person 
you know, that's out there. Like, like if you were, and it's not, well, it's interesting in fantasy because like a traditional road movie, like you, you know, if you pick up somebody or it's you that you've learned something about yourself or you become a better person throughout the road movie. But in this, you're picking up people, Travis, you know what I think that is actually, I think because that's saying that when you go outside of your comfort zone, you will meet people like-minded. You know, you'll meet like-minded people that are on the same road as you, but you got to leave the home for, you got to, you know, you go out there and experience things, you'll find people more like-minded like you. I think that's where the whole quest friendship shit comes from. And these people, yeah, that's true because, (laughs) I don't know, this might contradict what I just said, but the people that you're meeting are helping you to reach your full character arc. Yeah, exactly. But by the end, you're becoming either a better person or, you know, learning. You're, you're obtaining that goal that you set out to do, whether it be from within or like a physical goal or whatever it is, you know. I mean, like, there you couldn't do it without these exactly. people. The help of others. Yeah. No one's alone in the world. Right. Once again, we're humans with pack mentalities. We Yeah. That's what we do. Yeah. And now, real quick, I'm going to tie this into the Brady Bunch. Holy shit. This- <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Left field. Get out your diagrams, folks. We had to connect these dots. Ready for this? I know we said we we're going to wrap up our wrap-ups from now on. But, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, okay, so you're dealing with, uh, in this situation, all these characters that have, like, a super optimistic outlook on life, right? I mean, Schmendel, is it? Schmendrick. 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 Like, you can't no. get more optimistic than that guy, and he's, you know, Obviously, the last unicorn, she's optimistic because what the fuck does she have to worry about until she goes on this journey? Nothing, really. And uh, obviously, Molly, she is, because she can still see the unicorn, she still has this optimism in life. And I think that does come from like a youth or an innocence. And like, okay, real quick, like fantasy movies today or superhero movies, even, you see a lot of cynicism, right? In characters, yeah, like you see characters that you didn't like. If you didn't know they were bad, now suddenly they're bad, and they're like enjoying it, like they're reveling in being a bad guy. And it's like, wait a second, but earlier on you were a good guy, and now like you're this like total sinister person. And I'm even talking. We can talk about this later, but I'm even talking about you know like B characters within like teams of soldiers or armies or captains. <laughs> <laughs> but anyhow, so Brady Bunch. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. <laughs> but I, like, I'll watch the Brady Bunch still today. And the thing that I like about it is during a time, and you know, political stuff aside, during a time when, uh, like, it was uh, a very radical, I guess, time, and people were you know, liberated. I don't know. I'm, I'm probably going to liberated. It was TV. There were, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's the thing. Um, man, I'm going to totally contradict my own point. Uh, I, I can't know. You know what? Fuck it. I can't. What is your point? Well, <laughs> my point was, is that Brady bunch. you can watch the Brady bunch and every single one of those characters, like it's timeless. Like they give you this sense of optimism about the world, you know, and, like any sort of sitcom you can especially like in the 80s like you can learn a value from it just like this movie or a lesson and i guess that goes back to fairy tales too you know and i i think that we've lost that today in our 
fat, like I keep saying superhero movies. No, but I, I know think- what you mean because it's the idea that people want to relate to the characters, and characters have to be fallible to relate to. But they're kind of missing that character growing sometimes. You know, yeah, those fallible. You want a guy to be fallible to relate to him more, but it's like. Yeah, but if he like learned something and got better all of a sudden, yeah, I might learn something about like what it is to like rise up again. Not always be like I'm so powerful. Oh, it sucks. Right? Like I know this isn't a fantasy. Well, it's kind of a fantasy, but I watch House of Cards, and at, there's not a single character on that show that I care about because they're all these cynical assholes, you know, <laughs> like, like, it, like there's this specific scene where like, they're like, you know, uh, tonight's date night with my husband. Why don't you just shoot me right now? It's like, no, you're supposed to love your husband. That's why you fucking married him. You know I mean? Like there, there has to be some sort of happiness in there. Like, some, yeah, I will talk to you later. About and that's, that's, <laughs> that's truth though. You know I mean? Like, uh, that's what this movie has. That's like, uh, if you're if you're truly in love with something or someone or if you know like I don't know this movie has uh, an innocence to it I guess I'm holding up the box now uh, it's I like it um, I'm gonna stop rambling I don't <laughs> I, there's points I don't know if I've made them but uh, I would recommend it watch it a couple times and talk about it with your friends Sean. Is it just me or like I see Brent's brain as like a big chest and he's digging through it, throwing shit away, and then he picks one and goes, Brady Bunch, that'll do. And then he brings it to the weird show. No, but I was looking for the Brady Bunch. That's the problem. I think you mean alcohol. Well, I was kind of like I was disappointed because I'm like in the Brady Bunch, like when they did a modern version of that, the cynicism says in order to appreciate that level of optimism, they have to all be idiots. Yeah. Only well, the idiot that, can oh, you're have blinders can on. Worms here, like Colin. Yeah. <laughs> and Don't even bring up the fucking Brady Bunch movie. Let's get the call on the <laughs> well, John's <laughs> fucking wrap-up. Uh, yeah, because I realize that the Brady Bunch is conforming. They're they're forcing you to conform to this Not idea. Not even that. <laughs> I'll, we'll talk about this later. We don't got enough time for the Brady Bunch analogy yeah. here. <laughs> right. well, the last unicorn. Um, I was, uh, like we said, the it started off and I always got a, it was got to warm up to, um, I think, animated movies um, a little bit. The first yeah, first 20 minutes was a little like, eh, I don't know about this. and But then it got going, and it got into some really good parts, I liked the, especially with the witch character and everything. Like I like I like when it got darker. Like That was that was the good stuff to gritty. me. It got darker and gritty. <laughs> and it is this it is a, uh, an animated movie that is a little uh, meatier like than what you would get nowadays as far as the themes and the stories go. Um, I do like it. It got to a point partway through where they're just kind of hanging around the castle for a little bit where it's just kind of like, mm, okay, it's a little slow. All right, and then they got back on to what they were doing. Yeah, but there's a few songs. There's a few songs and stuff like that, and Jeff Bridges isn't what? the best singer in the world. But, <laughs> um, not but, a falsetto. No, not particularly. Not oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that and Crazy Heart. But it is, I, I, I do like the, the Rankin-Bass um, animation. I'm a, I've always been a fan of that ever since, you know, like we said, um, The Hobbit in high school. That was always a thing. So I'm always a fan of that. I do like the story. Um, it is a little more, it's not kids, it's a little more grown up. Um, I recommend it. I, I, I think it's pretty good. Um, yeah. 
Definitely see it if you haven't seen it. It's not uh, – I wouldn't say it's a constant repeat viewing for me, but it's still a uh, – I'm sorry. Maybe it's, if it's, you it's watched a, it a few times, maybe, it would be. Maybe, but it's, I don't, it's not <laughs> I put my, this in a lot. It's not my <laughs> specific type of movie, but it's still a solid movie, and I would definitely would recommend it. That's how you wrap I, up. There. This is one of my – yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good wrap-up. That was a pretty wrapped-up wrap-up. <laughs> that was wrapped up. This is just one of my favorite fantasy movies of all time. I, I really don't think they've made great fan. I mean, there's a few great fantasy movies I would call Legend, Dragon Slayer, uh, the original Hobbit by Rankin and Bass, Last Unicorn, Flying Dragon. You know, you know. It sounds like there's a lot of you know. If you think you think there's a lot of fantasy movies, but when you really get down to the nitty gritty. You know, there's really not a lot of quality. I re I recently watched like everything that the '80s put out, and the amount of shit. Don't you remember how movies. I recommended? I was like, this has to be in your history of I fantasy. We watched it, but we must have watched something because else. I'm like, well, I didn't watch any of the fantasy stuff with you. Yeah. I just remember like, dude, last year, last unicorn is one of the best fantasy movies ever made. It, it beats just out is. the Black Cauldron, which it I think does. probably it's mo- it's you know in time. It's closest competitor. Yeah, because well, Black Cauldron, you hear so much hype about it, you think it'd be a great movie, but it's like, really? What the fuck were they so afraid? Just yeah. what's a little dark? Well, That's there's it. Like they're a like skeleton dude. Or they're skeleton guy. Yeah, they're still like talking brooms or some shit. Man. I can't <laughs> talking but. fucking brooms. Yeah. God damn it. So this movie, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I remember as a kid. There's, it's so funny how. You know, you got your boy cartoons, you got your G.I. Joe, your Transformers, your He-Man, your Ninja Turtles, you got your Hobbit. And I remember, you know, when you first saw, when I first saw, like, things like She-Ra, The Last Unicorn, for some reason. Jim? Not Jim. Okay. For some reason, a lot of, like, girl-oriented looking cartoons always seem to have a little bit more like aggressive villains it just seemed to be like god there's kind of stakes here you know there's kind of like well like you said about stakes how it's like like Hordak and She-Ra is way scarier than Skeletor and he's not just a doofus like Skeletor so even though She-Ra is a shittier show for girls the villain is way more aggressive and scarier than Skeletor the show meant for boys you know and I, I you know I I I probably would have never watched The Last Unicorn, but somehow I watched it at a, at a friend's house one day when I was like, shit, probably like, I don't even know, 10 or 11? I must have only been, well, no, maybe even 9? You know, I saw this really young, so right from a young age, I was like, this fucking movie's badass! And I never told anybody about it, because it's hard to be like, watch The Last Unicorn, dude. <laughs> it's one of those things, it's a hard sell, and, and I was worried about bringing it here tonight. I'm like, I don't know, man, these guys, I was even feeling it in the first 20 minutes of this. I was like, these fucking guys are going to fucking tear this apart, <laughs> you know, just because it's like, I see the drama in this. I see the fucking like, oh my God, it's about death and immortality, it's about... Like I said, the whole, like, as soon as Molly Grew gets on stage, like, the whole, like, movie, I'm, like, shaky. I mean, that's why I, it's worth multiple views. Because once you get the script down and you get the story down, that's when you really start, like, oh, my God, she thought she would see a unicorn? And she was too, like, <laughs> you know, like, you really get into these characters, I think. I, like, I'm still, like, waiting to read the book. I've I've, like, looked it up a few times online to buy it. And uh, I totally intend to, but uh, I just haven't got to it yet. 
And uh, I love what I said earlier about the songs by uh, by America. Just the idea that like folk songs had something to do with fantasy back in the day. We're just like. It just made more sense. It just had something to do with the earth toniness. Have you ever seen Stunt Rock with music by Sorcery? No, sir. Stunt Rock. <laughs> Is that a movie? Well, the band, the band Sorcery video? has a wizard. Like, he's dressed up in blue with the stars and the cap, and he's, like, going around the stage like <laughs> with fire pots, and it's all folk, folky rock, just like this. That, it was Sorcery. that time and age, you know, that time and age, you know, of just the... You know, even though, like, fantasy, I mean, I guess high fantasy was more of a, well, Lord of the Rings was, like, early 50s, late 40s, right? Sorry, when it was written? Yeah, Lord of the Rings was, like, late 40s? Yeah, because it was after World War II. Yeah, late yeah. 40s, early 50s, right? I don't know, if yeah, 50s I or 40s. Say it was late 30s, but it, it doesn't I don't think right. it was late 30s. I thought yeah. it was, like, late 40s. Like, maybe was. Hobbit was, like... And... <laughs> So, so just the idea that like I think fantasy was really like a nineteen like maybe sixties through eighties thing. I really don't think it lasted outside of that. I mean, yeah, you got your Harry Potters, you got your whatever, but like real what I call like just hardcore fantasy where you're not like cynical the way uh, you're saying or the idea that's like no man fucking. Fairies and unicorns, man. They're they're magical creatures, you know? <laughs> you know, it's hard for people nowadays. It almost goes with the story, the idea that, dude, the further people away, get away from nature, the more just kind of, like, cold their consciousness goes, the more, like, they're not even open to the concept of magic and fairies and shit. Like, they're just like, that's bullshit, you know? They have this hard fucking prison yard mentality about the world. Just because they, you know, whatever, they lose that <clears throat> yeah. that perspective. They lose that, you know. And so, I mean, I absolutely 100% uh, request this movie. Or request it. Request it. <laughs> request it. <laughs> recommend. Recommend. There we go. There you go. My words. Sorry. So, I love it. I love it. Well, awesome. So that's The Last Unicorn. That's a, I think that's four thumbs up. Yeah, from, which is fucking surprising. Honestly, it's yeah. probably one of my first movies. It's like, well, maybe Porco. <laughs> Porco Rosso so. got a my cartoons. From my cartoons are getting good, like praise. It's all my like live actions. I don't get any love. I got I, a good cartoon. I like demons. Damn it! Yeah, I like demons too. Oh, demons. Well, you, I, I knew you'd like demons. <laughs> fucking Italian horror movie. What the hell? But Tom liked demons, and that was what the shock. Just because the rock and the, <laughs> the, the motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> so next week sword. it's going to be Sean's oh, pick. What the fuck are we gonna watch sean i think yep we're gonna go with friday the 13th part three and 3d Ooh. we're gonna go with the science experiment <laughs> we're gonna do it we're gonna see it in 3 i think we need to get hopefully in, we get in god intended we need to get into a uh, i think a classic series on here like we i don't think we have before well everybody's I mean, been on. like i didn't see the first one so i didn't like it <laughs> but, but this is something we all have friday one or two Fuck you. Yeah, yeah I, th- I mean, this is really one where you can't say fuck you if you haven't seen it. Yeah. And we're going with And it. to be fair, if you haven't seen the first two, you're not really out 
too much, but but if you jump in yeah. at any point. but if you want to see the 3D version with us, you should probably seek out the Blu-ray version. Well, they have the the yeah, they've got the red and blue, and I created a version <laughs> that's going to be a digital. This is the Frankenstein well, cut. Yeah. We're going to call yeah. it. Yeah. So we'll have to see how well that goes over, and maybe I can make that available on the torrents. Hey, uh oh. No evidence. There you go. No evidence. So until you know how to contact us. That's right, on Facebook.com slash Saturday Night Freak Show. And again, on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Podbay FM. We're there every week. Every week. Every Every week. goddamn week. <laughs> Help us! <laughs> so until then, America, peace out. And peace out. Best, uh, God peace out. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> Goodbye. We, just went. I will, we will catch you on the flip side. In the house. <laughs> Groovy. It no. is Saturday Freak Show in the hizzy. <laughs>